With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. All right, so this episode is sponsored by K12.com. And as you guys can see, I'm actually back inside the States, and thank God because we... I want to tell you guys, I was stuck in London for a bit. Yes, almost 48 hours, and it was not fun. I stood in line for almost five hours just to get new tickets. Uh, Apparently, everybody inside of Heathrow does not want to really do their job. They've been canceling a bunch of flights. I I don't know. They're not allowing any more. Apparently, these airlines aren't allowed to buy any or, excuse me, sell any more tickets for the entire summer. It's so bad there. And I, I didn't realize that Heathrow, there's literally like a bus transit system that takes you from the gate to your plane. It was, it was really poorly laid out, so I don't, I don't know if that has much to do with it. Anyway, I think we're also entering another stage of the war inside of Ukraine. It seems like the Russians are sticking into this operational pause a bit, and I've been trying to actually gain some, some, some supplies that they have to for their next push. Now, the high Mars have actually been causing some issues, like the Russians a bit of issues. And I spoke about this the other day in, in when I was like 1.30 in the morning and was over there filming in Belgium. The HIMARS are about to have a, a better capability to touch targets even farther, and that's going to be changing here very soon. They have the, the new missiles that are going to be coming in for them. They're going to be reaching out to, uh, I think it's 300 kilometers. Like, those haven't got in the country yet. Now, we're going to be kicking this thing off with some of my favorite stuff, and I, I get to sift through. I, lo- I love going through this, and it's going to be some Russian state TV. Zelensky will never sign any kind of capitulation. That much is already clear. We should seriously think about liquidating Nazi leadership of the country including not only Zelensky and his circle, but also Verkovna Rada and the entire government that is currently committing total genocide against its own people. This should be our target number one. The way terrorists were the main target of Israel. They destroyed them anywhere in the world. This is how we should be destroying Nazi criminals. It's useless to put them on trial, to chase them all over Ukraine. Our goal is to liberate this territory from Nazis and to create a normal, peaceful life there. Today, no one is fighting for Ukraine. So we can clearly see, like, they're still wanting to push this narrative that the entire government and the people inside the country are Nazis. I have have absolutely no idea. They've never provided any proof that the government, like Zelensky himself, is a Nazi. And is the average Russian that is actually listening to the people in this garbage that's going on over there, do not understand, yes, America is backing everything that's going on in Ukraine, the Ukrainian government and, and so on and so forth. And the main reason why no one in all of Europe is speaking German is because of the Americans from back in World War II. Guess what those were? Those were Nazis. Like, legitimately, if every American troops, like, did not hold off inside a bastoon, for, for instance, just, just for, just for, just those is there, learning some histor- historical little piece for you guys. The actual Nazis, like the real ones, not the ones that Russia is claiming are inside of Germany, like the actual Nazis would have been able to actually make it up to Antwerp. Like that's what their entire plan was. They would have literally cut off the Americans from reaching anything else and they would have like essentially everybody in Europe would be speaking German. Like let's be real. Like why in the world would any Americans fund the uh, ideology uh, that actually they helped to destroy 80 years ago? There are no such people 
because even simple people see it as a country that disintegrated unfortunately which is being ruled by an inadequate regime don't you feel bad we'll put it back together we'll patch it up give medical treatment to those who should get it and let the rest of them live in poland i will remind you the words of the russian president which he uttered on the 24th of february you wanted decommunization you're going to get it to liberate only those who live in the donbas and to free Donbas from the yoke of the Nazis. But after deliveries of Western weapons, if God forbid Americans deliver missiles that can travel 300 kilometers, then we simply can't stop at all. We'll go all the way to Warsaw. Now, I do find it kind of funny that the lady, which is the host of today, apparently cut him off uh, while trying. He was, try he was trying to come up with somewhat of an explanation that no one inside of Ukraine is fighting. Because I don't really know how this could be possible when roughly almost 40,000 Russians have been KA so far during this war. Like, I don't, I don't know what no one's fighting inside of Ukraine, but up and randomly 40,000 Russian troops have been KA. Like, also, does she realize that if and when Ukrainians do get these new missiles, these, these ones that reach out to 300 kilometers, it's going to be very, very difficult for the Russian military. But she then follows up by saying, she, she did acknowledge this, but she follows up and then she ends up saying, apparently... They're going to end up in Warsaw if this does happen. I don't know why they always go back to Poland. It's kind of strange because if you can't stop the HIMARS right now from hitting all your supplies and your men, then how do you expect to end up in Warsaw? Like I'm just asking, this is a really common sense question. You know, like they're about to get these really, these ones that can, can, can go, what, four or five times farther? And you're trying to explain to the world that you're going to end up in Poland when they come in. It doesn't really, doesn't really make any sense. Uh, but anyway, speaking about the HIMARS, now, HIMARS, the, the HIMARS, jack that one all up. The HIMARS, the Ukrainian military was actually able to locate the headquarters, the 106th Airborne Division of the Russian military, and they actually were able to target it. They have killed several of the division deputy commanders during that strike. And to add to it, the Russians have been putting these S-400 air defense systems. These are the ones that they're supposed to be the best things they have, the best, like, the, the most powerful thing that is able to take down the HIMARS. Now, they've been putting them next to these, these ammo supply points on these depots, whatever you want to call them. And they've been extremely unsuccessful so far. Not a single one has actually stopped a high Mars from hitting. Like, just to give you guys a little bit of insight as to why this might be, you know, these high Mars, they're GPS guided. And it's fairly possible that one of these missiles, when they're on descent, there would be some sort of, like, maneuver, like, so it can't be in intercepted. I'm just going to throw this out there. Like, this also is another fact. These missiles move around Mach, or just over Mach 2, okay? Mach 2, it's kind of quick. And that being said, Mach 2 maneuvers next to impossible to predict like a solid point for these S-400s to actually in intercept these incoming routes. Like we're talking about over 1,500 miles an hour, like moving in GPS guided. I would say that's fairly difficult to hit. So if you're looking for more control over your child's education, check out today's sponsor, K12.com. K12 helps you take charge with tuition-free online school that fits your life. Okay, personalize your child's education to let them learn in their own ways at their own pace using the tools and tech for their generation. Telling you guys right now, I wish I had this growing up. I didn't even finish 10th grade, just for everybody who's well aware. I joined the military. I didn't have this. Normal education, normal schooling wasn't for me. So learning is flexible, interactive, and I dare I say it, apparently it's really fun at k12.com forward slash iHeart. You guys can actually explore curriculum and see success stories from some of the over 2 million families who have taken charge of their child's education. I'm telling you guys right now, if your kid is like me and struggles in school and absolutely hates it, 
You too can help your child reach their full potential. Classes are taught by passionate state certified teachers and your child has the chance to develop skills through field trips, clubs, activities. K-12 has been helping families take control of their child's education for over 20 years. You can too. Take charge today at k12.com forward slash podcast. That is right. You guys can see this at the very top of the description. If you guys are on YouTube, it's, it's linked at the very top. Go check it out. If you guys are over there listening through your earbuds, go to k12.com forward slash podcast right now to check out and take advantage and help your kids out. They need it. I needed it. I wish I had this growing up. So the U.S. Embassy inside of Ukraine has now actually issued a notice to any and all U.S. citizens that are actually inside of the country to immediately leave. I don't really understand their... This is kind of late, but they're also claiming that U.S. citizens are advised to avoid mass gatherings in public events because uh, they're going to become military targets for the Russians. This is this is actually this is really coming out from the United States, by the way. It's kind of a strange warning to put out almost five months deep into a war. But I mean, they, 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 they literally say this. They claim that the security situation throughout Ukraine is highly volatile. And conditions may deteriorate without warning. It is kind of funny with me reading this because the, the, the announcement is very strange. I mean, they should have said this probably, what, back in December, November time frame? Like before the initial invasion? But way to go, U.S. government. You're about five months behind. Now, something that I haven't heard anybody really speak about is the fact that the United States has stated publicly that they're, they're willing and prepared to use all elements of its national power to prevent Iran from acquiring a nuclear weapon. This is probably one of the more uh, bold things that Biden's actually done in his entire administration uh, publicly. And I actually kind of like it personally. The prime minister of Israel also said that the only way to stop uh, a nuclear Iran is if Iran knows the free world will use force. Now, we know that Iran has been a state sponsor of terrorism inside of the Middle East in which they provided funding, training, and weapons to Hezbollah and a couple of their not-so-good groups inside of that area. Uh, there's, there's actually three more, I believe. It really seems that this is becoming more of a bowling point in many different regions across the world. Like we know that Russia, China, and Iran are all aligned more or less. And I wouldn't really actually call them allies. I'd call them frenemies more than allies, to be honest with you. They, they don't really like each other to a certain extent, but they're willing to help each other for the cause. Like we know that the West, which is, is of course, caused some issues in the world to a certain extent. But for the most part, we're just trying to maintain peace so we don't have a massive war starting on spread like, like an infectious disease, which seems to be happening right now. Uh, so apparently Russia is also claiming, <laughs> oh, they're always claiming something, but they're claiming that they, the areas that they control with inside of Ukraine are to be considered a part of Russia. Don't know how that is. We need a retaliatory response. There was a crime, now there has to be a retribution. We're talking about a just retribution. They fired not against a Ukrainian region, they fired on Russia. The Kursian reign is Russia. The Zaporizhia reign is Russia. The Kharkiv reign is Russia. Odessa and Mykolaiv are Russia. They're shooting at us. There is a more radical and a more simple way. There is a more radical and simple way to solve the problem. With deliveries of Western weapons to Ukraine. To destroy key objects of the railway infrastructure. In the West, where the transfer from Poland arrives. And in the South, for the transfer from Romania. Perhaps there are some political circumstances. Now, I will say these talking pieces over there on this network have been saying this for months and months that they need to hit the main routes leading into the country uh, from Poland, uh, mainly, so they can stop the flow of weapons coming in from the West. Like, if they were able to do this, then why haven't they done this by now? Like, I don't know why they keep saying this. Like, we need to target all these things, take out the railways, take out the roads, take out the bridges. Well, if you were going to do it, couldn't you, like, you should have already been, like, bridges don't move. 
Like it shouldn't be that hard. If you're the most powerful military on earth, this shouldn't be that difficult. Perhaps there are some political circumstances. They aren't allowing for the realization of the concept of striking the decision-making centers of Kyiv. The scale of additional Western arms deliveries will seriously complicate our successes of conducting our special military operation. This is time to hit the bridges, to collapse the bridges into the Dnipro River for every Ukrainian strike against Russia, Kyrgyzstan, Russian Nova Kahovka, a bridge should be collapsed into the Dnipro. Let's not be too shy to do it. These are legitimate military targets. The entire system of the public administration and the military administration of Ukraine, all of its key objects are lawful, legitimate targets for the Russian army. For the duration of this special military operation, now, once again, like I said before, like if they really had the ability to hit all these targets and why aren't they doing it? Like they're like, they're literally supposed to be the most power, the second most powerful military. And so hitting these, these non-moving targets should not be that, be that difficult. We see the endless flow of Western visitors who come to Kyiv without any fear and take part in the propagandist performances. They should be afraid to come to Kyiv. Physically, they should lose the ability to arrive to Kyiv by air or via the railways. The fuel and energy complex of Ukraine is a legitimate military target. We should force Zelensky's regime to its knees, so he comes crawling and signs the capitulation, increasing the scale of precise missile strikes against the west and south of Ukraine should be our priority militarily and politically. I expect this goal to be set and fully realized. Now, I really don't believe they have the resources right now to even complete the task at hand. I mean, take a look at this map. You guys can see if you guys are on the YouTube channel. Like, the, the left side is after High Mars, like, came to effect. And the, the right side is, of course, before High Mars. Like, for everyone that's listening, the one on the right is literally it's showing roughly over 100 areas. This was in one day. Over 100 areas that had been shelled. And it's been reduced to 18. Like, that's how much the high, like, they've literally taken out five egg, like, they've, they've, five, five, five times the amount of um, shelling or amounts of shelling. How do I want to put this? You guys get what I'm trying to say? This, like, so you guys tell me that these things aren't actually hindering the, the, their ability to actually target military locations just on the Eastern Front alone. And they somehow expect them to target these supply routes on the opposite side of the country? Like, no. So there's been no real change in the Kharkiv front, which shouldn't be too shocking since most of this isn't actually the real focal point of the war as of right now. So Kharkiv, not much going on. There's been some pop shots back and forth. We're going to slide down here to the southern side of Izium, which we know that this has been kind of a, uh, a sour point or a sore point or a sore area, however you want to say it, for the Russian military. So down over here. The Russians have been struggling on the southern side of Izium front for well over a month now, and it seems like they have... Main, maybe you found like a slight weak point in the Ukrainian defensive line. Now, there is an element that was able to push through uh, Kuroloka over the last two days. Uh, they pushed, they were actually then pushed back to the outskirts of the city. But I'm going to show you guys exactly the route they took. So this Pashkov area is actually, it's on a hill. So the, it's, this is on a hill. So they actually went through the valley and pushed through and got on the outer, outer edges of Ivankov. Okay. Now, they had a recon element that it got this far. Um, but they weren't able to actually hold it like any of this, this, this area. So now they've been pushed all the way back. So I believe this was actually more or less maybe a probing attack or maybe a recon element. I don't really know. It wasn't a very large 
element that actually that, that went through. They're just trying to find a weak point in which they did, but they weren't able to capitalize on their success and actually lost the terrain. Like they're trying to find a main or another route over to the main route, I guess you would say, trying to gain access to the MO3 route that is leading into Slovenas. Now, it is kind of a it is a big deal because they haven't been able to find a weak point to get through. And once they found a weak point, the Ukrainians were able to then shift the resources over and push them back out, which then now they're going to be able to fortify this area and not allow them to push through. Unless they know this is a weak point, then they may just fortify a certain area, let the Russians push through, and then have their, they're kind of like stuck. You know what I mean? So we're going to slide a little bit north here. So we're going to look at Bohor Design. I, I always jack that name up. Everybody who's listening, just north of Slovenask on the southern side of the river, uh, the Russians still have not been able to gain control of this town. This is the one we're talking about right here. This is, I mean, we're talking about like, what, last two weeks? There's still heavy fighting taking place in the town itself. The Ukrainians control the high ground on the southern portion of this, this town. The Russians control the high ground on the northern side. So I think we're kind of still in the same spot we were two weeks ago. And I believe I said this. The whole southern half of this area, if you guys were to basically through here, is all hills. It's going to be very difficult for them to move. They need this MO3 route. It's extremely important. The Russians need it. If they don't get it, they're not going to maintain control of these hills. It's just not going to happen. Okay. Now, it seems that the Russians haven't learned from their, their previous mistakes, by the way. Just going to throw this out there. We're going to shift over to um, the area that's supposed to be having an operational pause, which is just south of Lysthansk and basically the eastern front now. Okay. So the town of Spirn. Spirn was actually taken by the Russians a few days ago. Now, they made a mistake. So this is the area we're looking at. So they actually had this the complete control of this town two days ago. They pushed all the way through here to Ivo Dervika. Okay, they, they made a bit of a mistake, though. When they attempted to push through, um, they actually did not have a large enough element pushing through. I don't know why they did this, but they sustained such heavy casualties trying to push through. They then had to retreat to Spearn or Span, but then they actually weren't able to hold that either, and they were pushed all the way back to the original defensive line. So they had to fall back to their previous defensive lines because they actually – I don't know why – I told you guys – I thought they were going to learn from their previous mistakes in the like two months ago, three months ago, four months, like at the very beginning of this conflict. Like they haven't. They're trying to overextend once again, and they got caught up. They sustained such heavy casualties, and they're pushed all the way back. And as we do know, this is one of the, the things I want to note for everybody who, who doesn't. This area right here, and we just did that, that's a ridge line. So now they're trying to attempt to take over high ground that is being defensively held by the opposing force. Like I told you guys they would be sustained much heavy casual, has, uh, excuse me, much heavy, or, wow, find my words here. The Russians would sustain significant casualties if they were to try to attempt to take this ridgeline without going through Bakhmut first. Now, the only real major thing the Russians have done on the Eastern Front over the last few days or few, like a week, is that they continue to shell all the towns and the outer line villages which is nothing more than an attempt to actually shatter the morale of the civilians inside the area and destroy the infrastructure as they wait out this operational pause and get their supplies. Like, this is something they have done in the past, crush the civilian areas and then go in and then try to take them. All right, so we're going to be pushing quite a bit south. So we've been talking about the southern side a little bit over the last week or so, but I believe the Russians may have possibly, like, started to move a bit more down here, and they actually might be starting a bit of an offensive movement. Like, in the last two days, they've been attacking towards the town of Volodar which is just right here. We know the Ukrainians actually pushed out of Volodor about a week or two ago and actually captured or retaken, I guess you'd say, the town of Pavlika. Now, they've been coming out of Volodor from the south and the southern eastern side, and there's been another Russian element that was actually able to capture the town of Solodok, which is just on the route up, I guess you would say, which is right here. So they've actually been able to actually retake this town or retake the town from the Ukrainians. 
And just north of here, um, this is why I'm saying I believe they actually might be starting an offensive movement, is now they've actually secured a little bit more ground outside of Kamianki, which they have not been able to do this entire war. Like, they have not been able to move at all. Now, I'm going to throw a little bit of a scenario out here for you guys. So they've started moving down here in this, this region. Now, the Russians could be doing this for one possibility, like attempt to push the Ukrainians back in the southern side. Now, I believe they would be... I, I believe this to be the case because if the they, they need to maintain this buffer, okay, with regards to the HIMARS. Now, these HIMARS are in the country right now. If they push it back, it's, it's going to be good because they have, what, 50-mile range right now? That's all it is, which is quite far. But the Ukrainians' ability right now to touch the land bridge of Crimea, they can't. But if they could push them back farther, that, that, will, that will inhibit the Ukrainians from actually being able to touch that bridge. I also don't believe the Ukrainian military is really wanting to take the town or the city, I guess you'd say, of Kyrgyzstan itself. And it's more or less possibly they've been p- trying to apply pressure inside of this region to force the Russians to actually shift some of the resources out of the Zapsarzia region just inside of here and push them down into Kyrgyzstan to force them so they're able to maintain this ground. Like if the Ukrainian military is just able to maintain the ground they currently have, they will actually have the ability to touch the bridge that's down inside of Crimea. Like 100%. They can hit everything. They can hit the ports. They can hit the naval base down there. They'll be able to touch every single thing. And the Russians don't have the ability to actually stop the missiles from coming in. So what's the best possible approach? To try to push them farther away. So, But if they apply pressure in Kirsten, I don't believe they're trying to take it. Like the more and more I'm seeing it, they're either not been successful down in Kirsten, that is the Ukrainians, in taking ground, or they're just trying to do these probing attacks to force them to shift men over, which might be the case. So I hope you guys did enjoy this over here. Hope, oh shit. Hopefully I'll see you guys tomorrow with another episode. I'm back in the States, which feels good. I do love you guys, and I'm out.